0: Make sure you're subscribed to Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit that subscribe button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. We rightly talk about the negative effects of for lack of a better word, that abortion brings into the lives of women. We have campaigns, of course, out in the culture that women ought to shout their abortion or celebrate their abortion. And I wonder how that sounds in the ears of a woman who's had one and regrets, deeply regrets, her abortion. She may even believe that it was necessary, but she regrets doing it. So we talk about that a lot, but what about the men who are, well, it takes two to tango, the men who are the fathers of those babies who are aborted. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about men and abortion, Greg Mayo. He's a consultant for Support After Abortion and author of a novel, Almost Daddy, and a recent column for The Federalist titled, Abortion Harms Fathers Too. Greg, welcome.
1: Hi, Todd, thanks for having me on. How are you doing today?
0: Very well. Why are fathers usually excluded from the abortion conversation?
1: Well, you know, I think it's been that way from the very beginning. The whole thing, 50-plus years ago, was framed that it was a woman's issue, my body, my choice, right? And the more that mantra has been put out there in the public square, if you will, the more men and fathers have just backed away and said, okay, I guess I'm being told the right thing for me to do is to support whatever she wants. So... Slowly, over the course of 50 or so years, men have just been pushed out of the arena, so to speak.
0: Take us back 34 years to the loss of your first child.
1: Yeah, so it was toward the end of my senior year in high school, and my girlfriend and her mother showed up and wanted to go for a drive, and we did. And when we pulled over, her mom said, hey, she's pregnant, and we're going to have an abortion. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. I don't think that's right, and, and I'll never forget this. She turned around and looked at me in the back seat and said, if her dad finds out you got his only daughter pregnant, he will kill you. And honestly, Todd, at that point, uh, scared, confused 18-year-old kid in a moment of heightened anxiety, I thought, yeah, he probably would. And so I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I tried to be supportive. I sat on the steps of that clinic, scared to death, confused, unable to hold a thought while she was inside. And I can tell you, the moment she walked out, something was different in her and me. And we only lasted a couple months after that. So, uh, which is pretty typical, by the way. But it changed the course of my life for several years. And I wasn't even aware that's what was happening.
0: Looking back, how did you attempt to cope with the grief initially?
1: Well, that's the thing. I didn't. <laughs> I. I did everything but cope with the grief. That summer I worked I must have worked seven or eight jobs like I couldn't stay at a job. I couldn't hold a thought. I was depressed and I didn't have a name for it at the time. I had an almost crippling anxiety that some days would keep me in bed till late into the morning, but I didn't understand that's what was going on. There was literally no coping mechanisms at all and within a year of the abortion I was in a therapist's office and talking to him about something completely different, and I mentioned the abortion. And he said, well, yeah, that's not really a thing. And he started talking about whatever else. And so even the therapist I saw at the time didn't validate that I might have some negative feelings about it. So how did I cope with the grief? I mean, I just didn't. I did everything I could to not cope with it, in fact.
0: Other than the the explicit threat from the grandmother of your first child, Why did you think you had no say in the matter?
1: Because there was nothing that I had ever heard that told me otherwise. And I know that sounds like kind of a really broad brush to be painting with, but when I look back at that time, the late 80s, there was nothing, nothing at all that would suggest that I had a voice in this thing. And so I very feebly raised my opposition. After they dropped me off that day, I went and talked to my dad and I told him, that she was pregnant and he said, yeah, it's probably for the best. You just need to do what you can to support her. And I thought, okay, well, I guess that's what I'm going to do. And I guess everything will be fine. Right. I mean, there was nothing telling me it wouldn't. And nothing could have been further from the truth, unfortunately.
0: Your second child was also aborted. How did that happen?
1: So fast forward four years, I'm 22 years old. I had already lived in several places around the country I dropped out of college twice I was back in Indianapolis where I was from and I briefly dated somebody from Chicago and uh, about a month and a half later I had taken a job in construction out in west central Nebraska and uh, I got a call from her and she said hey I just want to let you know I'm pregnant but it's okay I'm going to have an abortion and I said oh no, no 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 don't do that And see, she didn't know, obviously, my my story from before. I'd never told anybody. And so she said, no, this is what's best for me. And I said, look, I'll move to Chicago. We'll get married. And she said, I don't want to marry you. And honestly, Todd, looking back at who I was then and how I lived my life, I wouldn't have wanted to marry me either. But I said, "Okay, fine. I have the baby and I'll raise it by myself. You never even have to meet it. Or, or we can put it up for adoption. And she said, look, I just started my career. I'm not going to be pregnant for nine months. And then all of a sudden, poof, no baby. And I screamed at the top of my lungs, crying at this point, yelling. And I said, please, whatever you do, don't kill my baby. And she said, it's not a baby and it's not your decision. And my last ditch effort, I said, look, I'll get my car right now and I'll be there first thing in the morning you can imagine, west central Nebraska to Chicago was quite a drive at that point. And she said, don't bother. My appointment's at 7 a.m. By the time you get here, it'll be done. And that was the end of the conversation. Shortly after that, I was in the doctor's office for a physical, and I remember asking my doctor, at 22 years old, Todd, I asked my doctor if he would uh, recommend me, or refer me, I guess it was called back then, to a urologist so I could get a vasectomy, And he said, Why? You're just a kid. Pardon me, but you're a kid. And I said, I'll never be fit to be a father. I don't want to be a father. He said no, but um, that's the point emotionally it had driven me to, if that makes sense.
0: So why is there so little research into the harm that abortion does to women and men?
1: Well, you know, that's an interesting question. And I think for a long time, the pro life world focused on preventing abortion, which is fantastic. Don't misunderstand me. That's a fantastic thing. But in the process of doing that, they neglected the millions and millions of men and women who have lost children to abortion. And so the research didn't catch up until just recently. You know, within the last few years, we're starting to see more and more of it. Support After Abortion commissioned a study here recently that talks about the adverse effects on women of the abortion pill and and how abortion impacts men and women. And so those kinds of things are starting to come online now. But for a long time, nobody on the pro-life side was really talking about post-abortion anything. And then, of course, on the other side, the ones that advocate for abortion, having a bunch of information out there in the world about the negative impacts of abortion didn't really fit their model, if you will.
0: What little do we know about men and abortion?
1: Well, again, that's a growing body. In a study, the Support After Abortion Commissioned, it talked about, for example, fifty seven percent of men said that they did not have a decision in the abortion. Now that's important because seventy one percent of men said that they felt immediate adverse changes in themselves after the abortion. 83% of men said that they could have benefited if they had had someone that they could talk to. But here's the problem, Todd. Only 18% of those men knew that post-abortion healing programs even existed.
0: Are there now organizations that offer help to both women and men after abortion?
1: Yes. Yes, there are. And more and more as we go along here, support after abortion has become a great resource for Men and women that have experienced abortion loss and want healing, they provide connections. If they don't have the healing opportunities internally, they have connections with other organizations around the country and and around the world that provide different kinds of resources, right? Resources for men, for women, small group, one-on-one, religious-based resources, secular-based resources, because what we found is that in order to help anybody that has had an abortion loss, we have to be able to meet them where they're at. And not everybody's ready for a religious small group type setting yet. So support after abortion has worked really hard to become that sort of central hub where a client, if you will, a person that needs healing can come in and get plugged into the right program and opportunity. It's a beautiful thing.
0: What's your reaction when you hear abortion advocates pressure women to celebrate their abortion?
1: Honestly, Todd, when I first heard about this a few years ago, when I was just getting into my own abortion recovery, it infuriated me, absolutely infuriated me that these people would be encouraged to celebrate. I've seen, you know, I'm sure you've seen it too, where they, they'll bake a cake and have a party and blow out the candles for the child they aborted. But after I got through recovery, I learned a couple things. And one of them is hurt people hurt people. In other words, you can't expect somebody that's damaged and wounded to make right decisions, to to handle themselves in a right way. And we know that after an abortion experience, a lot of women and men immediately begin to stuff their feelings, their pain, their grief. You know, we talked about that earlier. How did I cope with my grief? I didn't. And so one way these organizations try to normalize the abortion and the horror of it is by encouraging women to celebrate it. And then that plays another sort of psychological game. Look, it's okay. Look how happy I am. I had an abortion. So my reaction now is I feel bad for him. And not in a pity way, but I just feel bad. And I truly, truly hope that the women and men out there that are engaged in these Celebrate Your Abortion activities find some kind of center balance and healing.
0: Greg Mayo is a consultant for Support After Abortion. He's author of the novel Almost Daddy, And a recent column for The Federalist titled, Abortion Harms Fathers 2. You'll find a link to this column and to support after abortion at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Greg, thank you.
1: Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it.
0: Well, it's Reformation Week, and our series, Paths to Lutheranism, continues. We'll talk about the path from Roman Catholicism and Eastern Mysticism to Lutheranism with Dr. Donna Harrison. She is a CEO of American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's Net on the Internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Join Lutherans for Life in Washington, D.C., Thursday, January 19th through Saturday,
1: January 21st, 2023. Go to LutheransForLife.org to learn more about LFL's Conference for Adults, LFL at the March, and the Why for Life Youth Conference in Washington, D.C. The registration deadline is December 15th. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org Defending life from beginning to end. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time.